You might be a parent if someone has started to throw up your child and you reach your hands out to catch the throw up in them. You know you're a parent when you are never on time for anything again. I tell my husband that everything starts 15 minutes earlier than it does so that we're not super late. You raise your arm up when you're wearing a tank top and your kid says, Dad, what's that beard? I just work really hard uh, to make sure that I can pay the bills for my, my plants. Um, I'm, a very plout, I'm a very proud plant mom. I'm a plant mom to six at this point. Um, there are plans for more plants to come into my life and they're finicky. If you are not giving them exactly what they need, exactly when they need it, it's gonna be a rough day for you. You're gonna know what kind of day you're having if uh, your plants are gonna, they're gonna tell you. Hashtag plant mom for life. And you know you're a parent when you feel more like an Uber driver than a mom. <laughs> when you begin to refer to the bathroom as the potty in front of a group of adults. You sign up to be a flag football coach for Parkview One Athletics, and your daughter doesn't make it five minutes into the first practice without asking for your phone so she can watch something on YouTube. My wife bought me a messenger bag when that was like the thing to get. Uh, and uh, it was cool, it was like a big brown leather messenger bag and I was like, put it on, put my laptop in there. I felt really good. And so I go off to work and bye everybody, I come back with the messenger bag. And, and uh, my daughter, who's like gotta be like four at the time, she, go, she goes, oh, did your friends at work like your purse daddy? Yeah, yeah, they liked it. Um, you teach your toddler to go to the bathroom outside because you don't have time to take him every time you're out somewhere. Um, and then you move into a new house and he decides that he's not comfortable peeing in the new house yet, so he goes out on the front lawn and drops his pants in front of everyone and pees. Welcome to the neighborhood. When you go take your kids somewhere and you have to stay 10 feet behind because you're no longer cool. So, you know, when you're a first-time parent, when you're letting your two-year-old play with Legos that he shouldn't be playing with Legos while he's eating blueberries, and you happen to notice that one of your Lego guy's helmet is no longer at the table. So, you have to search through a diaper to find that Lego helmet. If you've ever said, don't lick that, if you compare your own childhood to your child's experiences. Um, when my daughter was going into first grade, it was her first time on a big school bus. Um, she's very nervous, very scared. And every day getting on the school bus, every day the whole first half of the year, the bus driver had to hand her a tissue and give her a tissue on the way into the school bus because she cried every day of first grade. It was awful. And the bus driver kept saying, just wait, wait through January. So I did. January, by the time January got there, she was fine. Um, my daughter leaves one week from today for college, and I'm pretty sure heading into work from now through January, y'all are just gonna have to hand me a tissue every day and say, wait till January, and you're gonna be fine. Our daughter was born in England, and for her first 4th of July, just recently, we took her to a big 4th of July celebration, and we were telling her what it's about, and she said, shh, don't tell them I'm British, they'll take me away. You know you're a parent if you've ever said, this hurts me more than this hurts you.
Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Lizzie Callum-Barris, and I'm one of the students pastors here on staff at Parkview. And I am so excited that you're joining us for service this morning. It is family weekend, and we are so excited that you all are here with us. We are launching something brand new for you today. It's called The Parent Hub, and you can find it here at theparenthub.org. Studies show that when parents are in crisis or need info, the first place they turn is Google. And we're on a mission to change that. We want to be a safe place for you to ask questions, even the ones that you don't think are very appropriate to ask in church. And this is a website that we've put together that is full of resources to help guide you as a parent. It's going to be full of so many incredible things. You've gotten a swag bag on your way in this morning, and we hope that you will use those things as a reminder to check out the Parent Hub. We are updating it every week with things from Parkview Kids and Parkview Students um, and different resources for you. And we're hoping that if you're not a parent, you can gift this bag to someone in your life who could benefit from these resources. In a few moments, we'll sing some songs together. We'll hear a message that we can easily apply to life. And then after that, we will take communion. You don't have to be from Parkview to participate. You just need to be following Jesus. If you're new around here, we would love to connect with you. Check out our Next Steps area out in the lobby. There are some awesome people out there who are ready to answer any questions you might have and help to get you plugged in with what is going on around here at Parkview. And everything that I share with you today, you can find at parkviewchurch.info. So groups are an important part of our ministry here at Parkview, and we want to make sure that you are signed up to be a part of one this fall. You can text GROUPS to 65649 to get easy access to our group finder. We all need people, so this is a way for you to find your people. Registration for fall groups is open now. We are so excited for Family Weekend. Some of our amazing students are in the band and helping us to lead worship today. So let's stand and sing together. Good morning, Parkview. It's great to see you all here in the house of the Lord this morning. As Lizzie said, we have some of our great high schoolers on stage helping to lead us in worship today. Will you join us in the song?
God in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. God in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are here, touching every heart. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, healing every heart. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, turning lives around. I worship you. Darkness, my God, that is 
God, you are a made way maker, the God who has made his promises, who keeps his promises, who is the maker of life. God, we thank you for all that you've done in this time, bringing us all together today to be able to sing these songs of praise to your name. I pray that you would be with the service, be with the words that are still to be spoken here. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. It all starts with a moment. And before we know it, a whole new set of moments appear. You know the ones. Moving back and forth from, ah, oh, so cute, to, ah, oh, not again and again and again. I know you know. The feelings stay, but the calendar changes, and we wonder, how did they get so big? Exchanging nap times for screen time, battling over five more minutes, five more dollars, more, more, more. Where do I even go to get more? When is it ever less? But the moments, they're coming faster now. Will it ever slow down? Before we can catch up, long days become long nights as we wait up and we wonder and we wish. Maybe we said that differently, asked a better question, gave some better advice. Is it true that, th that they could be? Are they doing that with them? What should I say about, you know, how are they doing Soon we trade out name tags of mom and dad for Lyft and Uber. Sit-down dinners become drive-through throwdowns. The stakes are higher. How is it moving so quickly? We knew we'd never be ready, but here we are. And sometimes we know we just need a little bit of help. For all the questions they've asked us, we've got a few of our own, starting with, what do we do next? Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Parent Weekend. We're really glad to have you here. Welcome, Homer Glenn and New Lennox and all of you online. I, I, so here's how it went for me as a part of the younger generation back in, in, in my day, okay? I have this vivid memory of uh, riding in my buddy's car on the way to high school at Enid, Oklahoma. Enid High School Plainsman, okay? That was us. And, um, and hearing the Doobie Brothers song, I got my vintage Doobie Brothers shirt here I bought off of Etsy and didn't have time to wash it, so it still smells like that guy I bought it from. Um, <laughs> and I heard the Doobie Brothers song, Jesus is Just All Right With Me. I don't know why the Doobies did this song. I don't know anything about the background of it, but, but we were on our way to school, and, and I literally had a God moment with the Doobie Brothers. I'm in the back of this Mustang with three other guys in the car. Must have, it must have been 1975. And, and if you don't know, the doobies were named for an illegal substance at the time, okay? If you're not hip with the, you know, with the terms. Um, and if you're a teenager today, can I just say that by, by the time you get old like me, life will have blown your mind, okay? I had n never could have imagined that I was going to be a pastor back in 1975 or that I would live most of my adult life in Chicagoland or that Mary Jane would be legal someday. So, you know, it's just crazy. <laughs> Anyway, my buddies that I rode to school with weren't really believers. They, they, they really weren't involved with God at all. And I heard this song, and I had this epiphany. And I can tell you for certain, because I don't think there's another thing I remember from 1975, but I remember where I was sitting in the car. I remember where we were, on what road, as this song came on. And it, it was honestly as plain as a burning bush for me, Okay. So the Doobie Brothers were a part of my call to ministry. That's what I'm saying. Because it was at that moment that the disconnect between 
the church and my life became obvious. Because I had this thought. I thought, man, what if I could get a band together and do a Doobie Brothers song at church? Okay? And of course, you know, I would be in that band, right? Because I had a bass guitar that I literally got from Sears catalog for Christmas. And I know some of you young people don't even know what a catalog is, let alone Sears. And I thought, if I could learn the bass part, get some guys, and we could do that Doobie Brothers song at church, maybe they could find Jesus. Literally, that was my Bernie Bush. Because I knew that they would have an easier time finding Jesus than if they actually came to my church and we were singing hymns, okay? Like, you know, like Holy, 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 which is still one of my favorite hymns, but... Verse 2 says, who wert and art and evermore shall be, and the cherubim and seraphim falling down before thee, right? I could just see them turning to me going, who is wert? And why did the seraphim fall down? And, 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 but if, if I could get them to church and it was, Jesus, he's my friend, but down, 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 down. I mean, they would find Jesus that way. Don't encourage me. I'm just saying they would find Jesus that way. So a whole day at school, my mind is racing and I'm trying to figure it out. And at some point after lunch, I realized that there was no chance in heaven or hell that my church would allow even a band to play in the first place. Nothing but the organ and the piano, because obviously that's what they had at Jesus Church back in the day, right? Some of them probably really believed that. But if they did allow drums or a guitar in, we were certainly not doing a rock and roll song by the Doobie Brothers. And this was back at the time when modern Christian music was really non-existent at all. Amy Grant was in junior high, okay? I'm just saying. So it was a part of a greater frustration that I had with the church and its relevance to the world. And I knew that there was no real way to change it in the 70s, okay? Okay? Wasn't, my dad was the pastor. It wasn't their fault. There was no way to change it in the 70s. But I decided to go ahead and give my life to ministry and the local church and see what I could do about the 80s or the 90s or, you know, the next millennium. Because I knew that someday I would have children and I wanted it to be different for them. And I knew that someday I would have grandchildren. And I wanted them to find a church where they could find the hope of Jesus and get help for living in whatever world that they lived in. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, not now, but someday, what if you could have a church where non-Christians walked in and felt like they were belonged there, you know, and they heard music and a message that they could actually relate to. And along the way, God brought me into contact with this dark-haired beauty named Denise who felt exactly the same way as me. Her church growing up would occasionally have at least special weekends and rallies that she could invite her friends to, but other than those times, she was still looking at an experience that was completely foreign to her friends. So we set out when we got married 38 and a half years ago with a mission. And if you're listening to me now, it has to do with the Doobie Brothers and their random song about Jesus. And God's grace to bring Denise into my life to do it with me. And yes, in case you're wondering, several years ago, the Parkview Band played Jesus is Just All Right with me, and it was a proud moment for me. And they promised to play it at my funeral uh, along with Freebird, okay? It has to, we have to have Freebird. And 
and Brian Head Welsh from Corn has promised to play the guitar solo because I want the whole guitar solo at my funeral. Don't cut it off, okay? <laughs> but guess what? I'm not dead yet. <laughs> but what I am is the old guy leading the church. And the young people in this church have never heard of the Doobie Brothers. Matter of fact, Lizzie, who's one of our student pastors and one of my daughter's good friends, I walked in and I showed her the shirt and she's like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> she's not a kid, she's a youth pastor, okay? They do not know that Michael McDonald is probably one of the great rock voices in history, am I right? He might as well be, you know, Wirt or Art or evermore to them, okay? So obviously, it's not about the type of music or the age of the person preaching. It's about the heart of our mission to our young people, and that's what we're talking about today. Several years ago, I wrote the book, What Made Jesus Mad, okay? And, and the premise of the book was based around Matthew 23, 13, which says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. Jesus is talking to the religious leaders, and he's saying, woe to you, religious leaders, you're shutting the door in the, of the kingdom in people's faces. And I honestly believe that this book was born on that ride to school in 1975, because if Jesus was mad about blocking access to God, then why in the world were we forcing people to wear nice clothes and listen to organ music in order to get to God? And actually, one of the key times that Jesus was mad was about the way we block access to God to young people. Okay, people were bringing babies to Jesus for him to place their hands, place his hands on them. And when the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children and said, no, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Blocking access to God, there it is. Do not get in the way. And here's Mark's version. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant, okay? He was ticked off. He was mad. And he said to them, let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And I don't think most churches take this seriously enough. I'm sure the disciples had good intentions. Jesus was in the middle of teaching about God when this happened, okay? But when the kids showed up, the disciples rebuked them. Go on now, kids. Jesus is busy. And Jesus got mad at them. This is the only time he doesn't get mad at the Pharisees and the tax collectors. He got mad at his disciples. And he followed it up in Matthew's gospel with this shocking statement. If anyone causes any of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Explain that to your kids. Jesus is literally saying it would be better for you to be stuffed in a barrel and thrown into Lake Mead where they won't find you till the next big drought. Have you seen those stories? Lake Mead is so low they're finding bodies down there now, okay? Mafia bodies. This is wild stuff, isn't it? This is what Jesus said. And if Lake Mead isn't bad enough, then he threatens them with angels. See to it that you do not look down on one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels, possessive, their angels, your kids have an angel in heaven, always see the face of my Father in heaven. 
And I know you hear the word angel and you're thinking Cupid, but they got the message because they knew that angels were like Marvel superheroes, right? You didn't mess with them because we know this because every time an angel showed up, what was the angel's first message to the people that were there? Fear not. And why? Because angels were scary. They weren't toddlers in diapers. They were gangsta. You know what I'm talking about? So Jesus says, if you look down on one of these, if you cause one of these little ones to stumble, you would be better off drowning yourself because if I send my angels, they're really going to mess you up. This is literally what Jesus is saying. It's really important to get to the heart of what Jesus is saying here. So what do we do with this? If any one of you causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better to have a millstone hung around their neck, okay? The key, forget about Lake Mead for a minute. The key to this passage is obviously Jesus is using an exaggeration here, but the key word is, hum, is to stumble. The, the word hinder is scandalizo. Literally, stumble, hinder is about blocking the way to God. This is about the deeper issue of a child's soul that Jesus is talking about, all right? This is not just about be nice to children. This is not just about make sure you take care of the needs of children. This is about the eternal souls of the children. So I wrote this in the book. We must be careful not to do anything that would damage a child's faith in a trustworthy God by being an untrustworthy guardian. And that's true for parents, obviously, but it's true for the broader Christian community. When Denise and I moved here, January of 1990, the church averaged 148 people in total weekend attendance. That was um, kids and everybody included. But the church was surprisingly young for being so small. There wasn't much of a student ministry. It was going to be a work in progress. But there were kids for what would be our kids to play with. Okay, our 35-year-old daughter now was two and a half, and Denise was pregnant with our middle one. So, you know, we had a long time before this was ever going to be a problem. And we knew that God was calling us to this church. I mean, it was just, it was just as plain as could be. But Denise and I made a commitment to each other that if the church hadn't grown to a place where we could have a good student ministry by the time our girls hit junior high, we were going we to leave, go do something else, go to another church. Because we had done student ministry for seven years before we got here, and we knew how important it was going to be to our kids, okay? And obviously that happened, okay? And I'm so grateful to the Mixons and the Anhalts and the Aiders, as well as the amazing kids ministry people who have poured their lives into my kids. We were determined to have a church that would not cause kids' faith to stumble, we wanted to have the opposite of the church that we had growing up. We wanted our girls to be able to invite their friends to come to church without cherubim and seraphim getting in the way. And they did. As a matter of fact, uh, some of them, like Lizzie, are on our staff now. That's really fun. And this principle is why I was in Kansas City for a convention one time, and I went by a stained glass shop, and I, bu- I saw this picture, and... I had to buy it, and it's at our Orland campus now in the, in the kids' hallway because this, to me, is everything about this passage, and this, to me, is everything about who we're supposed to be and how Jesus wants us to act. 
So a couple of things I need you to know, all right? The church is not here to judge culture. We are here to love our culture because we're missionaries, all right? The, the Apostle Paul literally said, who are you to judge someone else's servant? And here's the, here's the problem. As we live in an increasingly less Christian culture, we have to be very careful when it comes to tending the souls of our children. Because, Toto, we don't live in Kansas anymore. It's really the same issue as all the other issues in our day. If you think you know what it's like as a man to, to, to live in this world as a woman or vice versa, if you think you know what it's like to be white as a black person or vice versa, it, it, whatever it is that you think you understand what it's like to be a different person, you've lost your ability to love them because the main thing you've got to do is to be able to listen, all right? So the same thing is definitely true for our kids. We grew up in a different time. So, so we have abortion, we have student loan payback, we have gender confusion, universal health care, immigration, all of these issues, right? And, and some of these issues, many of these issues have definitive right and wrong answers from Scripture. But if TikTok is a higher authority than Scripture for them, we have to lead them and not preach to them, just like we would as missionaries in a culture that doesn't understand. And you may have some strong opinions, as do I. But if all I do is post an opinion on social media about what's right and how it's supposed to be without understanding what's going on in their world, we run the risk of alienating them from their faith. Now, don't mishear me. Parents, you are charged with helping your children learn about what's right and wrong and about biblical values, and we as a church are too. It's just hard for young people to discern the information, and we need to be patient with them. You may think that some of the things that they're dealing with are really off the wall, okay? But remember that Jesus did not say, hey, Zacchaeus, Matthew, being a tax collector is really stupid. Why don't you stop that and come and follow me? That's not how it went. He didn't tell the woman at the well, dang, woman, why can't you stay married? I don't know why Jesus is Southern when he's, when he's, at, he's in Samaria. Dang, woman, why can't you, you stay married? And, and you're living with a man now. You need to repent and move out and then follow me. Jesus always met people where they were, and then he loved them into a relationship with the Father. I'm still processing all this, okay? But, but even the woman caught in the act of adultery, he said, neither do I condemn you now. Go leave your life of sin. Obviously, she knew what she was doing was wrong. We don't know if she was a prostitute or what. But he still loved her first. And I wish we knew the rest of the story. This is what I, I wish we knew. Because I'm like, well, what if she didn't leave her life of sin? And, and Jesus saw her later. Would he have said, hey, I warned you, you're still, you're, you're still doing it. Now I condemn you. Yeah, I, I doubt it. Or what if she didn't have any other way to make money or to be cared for? Did Jesus help her leave her life of sin? Because it's kind of hard to tell a prostitute to stop doing what they're doing without helping them find another way to pay their rent. That's who Jesus was. And what I'm saying is that our children are not growing up in a different time than we did. Our children are growing up on a different planet than we did. So we have to start by loving them. 
And this is why this is important to me. One of my great frustrations growing up was that the older generation didn't understand reality, right? And it would be easy for that to keep happening today now that I'm the older generation. My parents were great at it. Even though the church wasn't, they were great at it. They were very understanding of what it was like for me. But the church, not so much. You kids need to follow Jesus and stop dancing. I could have, I could have been Kevin Bacon, okay? <laughs> but my parents let me go. Because they, and, and please get the picture of me dancing just out of your head, because it's completely as bad as you would imagine. But I want to make sure that that's not what we're doing as a church, okay? We also want to acknowledge that your children, grandchildren are growing up in a weird time, okay? Um, We don't know what it's like to grow up with the whole world in your pocket, to have the news and the fake news and porn and social media. I don't even know what it's like to parent in that world. That's how old I am, okay? But I know who does. Our kids team and our student team, they get it. They're in the middle of it right now. And I know that if I was parenting today, the crazier the world got, the more I would lean into the Christian people who are equipped with the answers and the resources, or at least an understanding ear. And hey, forget about the confusing deal with pronouns and what do you want to be called and furries who dress like animals and the fact that Illinois now has a law that menstrual products must be in the boys' bathrooms as well as the girls' bathrooms. Forget about that. I know you don't understand that and neither do I. But even without that, even without all of that stuff, your kids have not been in a regular year of school for the last three years. And the transitions and the graduations and the proms and the special moments and the first days and the extracurricular activities have not been normal. And I think it's just super important that we recognize that. That in a way, we all have PTSD. All of the social scientists are telling us that. Your kids have post-traumatic stress disorder about school and about life. Guys, we were forced to quarantine. We were shown pictures of mobile morgues in New York City. We probably all know people who died from COVID. My brother-in-law, Jack's mom, just died from COVID this last week. She was 89 and had other issues, but it's still a thing. I was in, I was in Missouri for a few days this week at a place where there was a cannabis growing convention. And I was playing golf with a pastor friend. And it was kind of slow, and we were at a par three waiting for the group in front of us to tee off, and the group behind us came up. It was a a man and a woman. And the woman just walked up to me and offered me a hit off the doobie she was smoking. (laughs) I got to start wearing a collar or something. I, I felt like I was at Ridgemont High. You know what I'm talking about? But... But the deal is, my first thought was not, uh, I don't smoke reefer. My first thought was, how high are you that you've forgotten that we don't share saliva? (laughs) We recognize that it's been very hard on everyone, but especially on those of you with kids at home. And honestly, um, it's what's forced both of my California girls to move to Tennessee. Uh, I I had two daughters that lived in California, 
and um, they both have kids now, but at, at the time, the one, Lauren, had two kids at home, and they were in L.A. County, and man, it just was so shut down, and she kept looking at, at my other daughter's post from Franklin, Tennessee, and seeing how, how more normal life was there, and, and they finally just got to the point where they just couldn't take it anymore, and they decided to move there, and so Becca and Andy have decided to move there, and you know what? The, the blessing of California being so extreme and how they handled COVID is that all of my grandkids now live in the same subdivision, a one-hour southwest flight away in the same time zone. Thank you, Governor Newsom. Thank you. Thank you. Just, just everybody has been affected by it, okay? And we want you to know that we want to help you. Uh, and I don't mean me, I mean people who know stuff. We found that the data says that people turn to Google before they turn to the church, okay? Here's the graph. We want you to talk with us, okay? Here's the graph. People will go to your spouse and your family and your friends. Yeah, that makes sense. And then Google and then online community and YouTube and look at the church. This is where parents are going for help and we've got to change that, okay? And, and, and in a lot of churches, I would feel the same way, but not this church. So stop by the areas at your, in your lobby that are marked with those large banners. The Next Gen team has people there who would love to connect with you even today. And one of our major objectives as a church in the next few years is to help parents we're going to be a multi-generational church that seeks to reach the next generation. Our kids and our grandkids, that's one of our major goals. So when you walked in, you got a, a, a parent hub bag, okay? This is a new research, <clears throat> sorry, new resource that our team is launching. And in the bag, there are these cards that are gonna tell you about an ebook that you can get because we wanna help you. And there's some cards that you can write on. And I'm gonna give you time at the end of the service to write how can we pray for your child and what are your hopes and dreams for your child. And there's probably only... There's two or three of them in there, so if you have more than three kids, you're going to have to pick the ones that need the most prayer and put them on there. <laughs> we'll, we'll get you more cards, and, and they'll tell you what to do with them at the end, okay? But, but, but this is what we want to do to help you. We want to help you, all right? This is what we're going to be, this is going to be focused for us, okay? Because we want you to know that your child is, is the one. Matthew um, records Jesus doing this, and this is another key scripture for us as a church. What do you think if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, I tell you, he will be happier about that one sheep that wandered off than the 99 that did not wander off. Now listen to this. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. Little ones, right? I use this passage a whole lot of times, and I usually use Luke's version, and he doesn't use little ones. He just says, not willing that anyone should perish. But in Matthew's version, he includes it in the text about the mafia stuff and the angels and, and make sure the children come to me. This is the context of the passage about children, that, that they are the ones that we're supposed to be looking for and helping and guiding and for crying out loud, at least not getting in their way. 
And one more thing. Can I just remind you of this? I kind of passed over it earlier. Your child has an angel. All right? See to it that you do not look down on any of these little ones, for I tell you, again, their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. In other words, there's an angel for your kid, and I don't know, you know, the, the way of guardian angels has kind of gone the way of cartoon land. I get that. And I don't know if adults don't have guardian angels. You know, I, I, mine, I think, got tired and, and, and turned it over to a rookie because he's not doing a very good job anymore. But, but as a kid, we know this is really important. And, and here's, forget about angels or, or however it works. What, what I'm saying is, if you are a young person today, you are not alone. You have supernatural, Jesus says you have supernatural help available to you. And if you're a parent, a grandparent, an aunt and uncle, whatever, a friend, and you know kids, that child has an angel. Your child has a savior who is so serious about how important your child is that he used a very graphic mafia illustration about what might happen to anyone who messes with their soul. And that should tell you something. That should encourage you that, that children are that important to God. And obviously God is there for all of us. But there's something very special to him about kids. So we're going to give you some time. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to give you some reflection time. And, and I just want to encourage you to just do this during the time. Just write down how we can pray for your, your student. Write down how we can, how, what your hopes and dreams are. And we're going to give you a place to put them. And, and again, we'll give you more cards if you need more along the way. Because we're going to be praying for them. And we want to help you with them. And that's what this day is all about. And that's what our church is going to be all about. So I'm going to pray. I'll give you some time. We'll do this together, and then we'll sing. And someone from Next Gen is going to come out and lead us in communion. And I just want you to know I'm proud of this place. I'm proud of the team. I'm proud of who we are as a, as a grandfather of six now. I wish my grandkids went here. My oldest, Charlie, was here a couple of weeks ago, and he said, Papa, I love your church. It's my favorite church. I am so blessed to have had this place and you people to raise my kids. And now I'm hoping that other churches have that same feeling about my grandkids because I have them about yours. Let's pray. God, I thank you for my parents and, and their generation who did an amazing job of trying to do everything they could to make church be something that would minister to me. And, and it did. And I thank you for those l ladies that had the flannel graphs and overhead projectors and, and all the little things that they did to try to make it so that I could learn about you because I did. And I thank you for those ladies and gentlemen that were the spiritual leaders in the church that prayed over me and 
in 1983 ordained me so that I could go do this. And I'm thankful for Parkview. And Lord, I recognize that this is a weird time. I recognize that we're all a little bit stress disorder. But we're going to work together because we have angels at our call. We have your power in our lives. And we have your hope. Be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Take a moment, fill out the cards. Today we talked a lot about how we want to be a church where we can partner with you as you raise your kids. And we do. But the most significant partner you can have on your parenting journey is God. We're going to be singing a song today that reminds us that we can bring our cares and our concerns and our hopes and our dreams for our children straight to Jesus because God wants to partner with you in your parenting journey. And some of the lines of this song that we are going to be singing says, never alone in the battle. We are never alone in the desert. We are never alone in the fire because our God is walking with us. He is our deliverer and he will see us through. Let's stand and worship together.
I hope you found that song as encouraging as I did. We have access to this God who is our strength and our deliverer because of the sacrifice that his son Jesus made for us up on the cross. And that is what we're going to get ready to remember right now through communion. On your way in, you've got a cup with two pieces of plastic over it, one over the bread, the second over the juice. You don't need to be from Parkview to commune with us. You just need to be following Jesus. I'll come back out in a moment and we will take communion together. body of Christ broken for you, take and eat. The blood of Christ shed for you, take and drink. God, thank you for this beautiful reminder that we can lean on you, God, that you want to partner with us in whatever we're walking in our lives, God. We're so thankful for you. We're so thankful that when things around us feel so uncertain, that you are our strength and you are our deliverer, that we can build a firm foundation upon your love, your character, and your promises. It's in your mighty name we pray. Amen. So don't forget to check out our family resources at theparenthub.org. And if you go out to our east patio, we have a bunch of games and activities for you and your family to enjoy today. Will you all stand with me? Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you and give you peace. Have a wonderful rest of your day. You know you're a parent when you tell your child to sit still, but then they decide to jump into the pool anyways as soon as you turn around, and then you have to run to them, pick them up, and then they say, I'll never do it again, I'm sorry. My son was jumping on a trampoline and he had to go pee, didn't want to go inside because I was too far, and so just say, hey buddy, you need to pee outside. And so instead of going over to the bush, he goes to the side of the house and pees on the vinyl siding. And uh, I was so proud in that moment. When half your screen time is spent tracking your kid's location. You know you're a parent when you realize you can survive on two hours of sleep. If you thought, are they gonna grow up to be nice humans? If you've had to tell your child to take something down from social media. If you've ever had to chase a naked toddler down the block. If you hear yourself saying, stop touching everything and don't put your hands in your mouth. 
my daughter said, um, why is beef more expensive than chicken? Uh, you know, you're at a, like a restaurant and a beef pad thai is more than chicken pad thai. And uh, she goes, oh, I know, because it's harder to catch a beef than a chicken. <laughs> We're still working on telling her that beef comes from cows. You don't know how to answer questions. Like, mom, why do some people have bigger eyebrows than others? What's an eyebrow? Oh, well, the thing that holds up your eyes, obviously. You know you're a parent when you're at the restaurant and all the table conversation is all about the toilet. Um, so my son was just in a really silly mood and he was in a licking phase and so he was chasing his sister around the house trying to lick her um, with her giggling and screaming and yeah, never thought I would have to tell my son, stop licking your sister. If you hear from one of your kids' teachers their response to why they don't want to sit at the adult table on Thanksgiving, and if it sounds something like this, I would rather have all the kids sit together at a kid's table, and I choose this because kids could talk about any random thing they want and not politics, and they don't have to shout across the table. That's why I want to sit at the kids' table at Thanksgiving. <laughs>